Good morning. Perhaps, um, Zach, would you mind just sticking your head in there and telling them I'm about to start and they don't want to miss me? Tell them I'm better than cake. I'm even better than coffee. Have we got Siobhan, Ellie, Sophie? I forgot to give you your gift, sorry, so I'll do that now. Sophie, will you just come and grab? That one's yours. Where's Ellie? We do like to bless you with books and a little, there's a few things in there from other people as well. Are we all back in? Lovely. Okay. I'm going to start then. Are we all right at the back on the AV? Yeah, we're good to go. If we have not met yet, my name's Melanie and um, I'm married to Stuart and together we moved here to start this lovely church we call Real Life Church. I'm a mummy to Levi and Asher and I work for this church Um, So I look after the young, I look after the under 18s and I look after what we get up to in the community and I do anything else that needs doing really. So this morning I want to tell you a story and out of the story I just want to pick out a few things um, that I feel like Jesus would like to speak to us about this morning. When I read my Bible there are stories that I like to imagine I could be a part of or have a go at and I don't know about you I find the Bible to be like such a fascinating book and the stories in it so engaging and there are stories that I feel like I should want to be a part of like when the blind eyes see and the lame man walks and all of that but if I'm being honest there are some stories that I would love to have a go at so when Peter walks on water I often read that story and think Man, that would be super cool to like be at the beach. And I know it didn't work like this and it wasn't about that, but to be at the beach and suddenly be able to walk on the water. I just love to see people's faces. I really like the story where Jesus takes one boy's lunch and he feeds thousands of people with it. I'd like to be somewhere where I opened up my picnic and just said to 5,000 people, here, share. And then there's one of the stories that I would just love to have a go at and this is this one so there are stories in the bible where people are transported and I just think that is like the coolest thing to be in one place and have God take you to another place and it totally messes with us because we think well scientifically you surely can't prove that or do that but because God is God and he exists outside of everything he can do whatever he likes so if he chooses to transport someone somewhere he can I just think that would be so amazing sometimes I I've been stuck in traffic and I've said to God, if it was at all possible for you to take my car and the contents of it and and drop it somewhere else, that would be excellent. And and I just think that would be absolutely amazing. So I'm going to read you this story and see if you can imagine what it would be like for you. So you can find this story in the book of Acts, but please don't worry if you don't have a Bible this morning or the dog ate it or whatever, that's fine. If you want a Bible and you've never read one before, I find it to be the best book ever. So we would happily buy you a Bible if you would like to have a go at one. So come and see me afterwards if you think, I would like a Bible, I'd like to have a go at that book. 
You find this story in the book of Acts. It's Acts 8, 26 to 39. And it's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm reading from the NLT, which might be a little bit different to your version. It's my favorite version. So I'm reading from that. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met... Oh, sorry. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up in the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he'd been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Oh, I would have loved to have heard what Philip had to say there. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I want to look at a few things and just pull them out and hopefully communicate something to you today. So Philip in the story is sometimes called in church history, Philip the evangelist. He was a deacon in the church. So he was called upon in the original seven deacons to serve the church. So when the apostles worked out, there was just too much work for them to all run around doing. They kind of grabbed deacons in and said, come and help us. And they served the church in Jerusalem. Philip then moved and he went to Samaria. He had a heart for evangelism and he performed miracles. So he served and served the needs of the poor and the needs of the church. But he also, oh, I don't know whether I should dance now. I'm not sure, but um, I might try a little. Shall I sing something? um, So, anything else you want me to do while I'm up here? Just let me know. So we see Philip a bit later on in in the book of Acts 2, still going after God, still pursuing the things of God. So in Acts 21, it says, the next day we went to Caesarea and we stayed at the home of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven men who'd been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had all been given the gift of prophecy. You see, Philip was a man who served his local church. He was a man who, who listened to what the apostles said were the needs, the needs at the time, the needs of the church, and he responded. But he also preached the gospel 
whenever he could. He also moved in miraculous signs and wonders. You see, Philip was a man who was ready. He was a man who was prepared. He was a man who would serve. He loved the good news, but he knew the good news well. He knew it for himself, but he knew how to talk to others about the good news. If I'm being honest, we should all read about Philip and want to be like him. We should have a little look at church history, have a little look at where his story pops up in the Bible. If you're a Christian in this room, Philip is a great example to you. If you're a Christian, he's a great example to you that actually some of what you do should be spent serving your local church. Some of what you do should be given over to the poor, but you should also know the gospel well so that you can share it. And you should also lay your hands on the sick and see them healed. See, Philip's what we would call a disciple. Philip loves Jesus, knows Jesus, and is serving the kingdom of God. I wanted to ask you real quickly, because whenever I preach on someone who's got a name, because names are so important to God, I feel like God often has something to say to people with the same name. So if you are a Philip, a Phil, or a Philippa, would you just stand where you are, please? Lovely. Look at that. We have three of you. That's nice. I felt like this morning when I I was just looking over this, I felt like God wanted to do several things. I felt like, first of all, if you are a Philip, a Phil or a Philippa, he just wanted to say, well done, faithful servants. And you're men and women who have served God faithfully and you've attempted to do things for him and with him in the seen and the unseen that he knows all about. I felt also that he would stir you to be those that don't just serve your local church faithfully, but serve the streets outside your local church faithfully. That you would be those who share good news, that you would be those who are prepared to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, that you'd be like Philip. But I also felt the word run jumped out to me when I was reading the story. Philip was someone who acted on what God has said. And I felt like God wanted to just say to you, be those who act on what God has said. And don't be those who question it, sit around for ages going, shall I, shan't I? Be those who get up and run. Be those who run into what he's got for you. Run into what he said to you. Run to those he's called you to. Be those who act quick on what God has got for you. So I just want to pray, Jesus, that you would release amongst us Philips, Philippers and Phil's that we be those who run after your purposes, run after your plans, that these three stand in would be those who run after your purposes and run after your plans. I feel like because of that, you'll see the things of the kingdom. And so I pray with your own eyes, with your own hands, you would see the kingdom break out where you stand and in what you do. Amen. Amen. Be like Philip, all of us. Be like Philip. Listen to God. Do the things he's asked you to do. Siobhan, Ellie, Sophie, be like Philip. Listen carefully to him. Read the scriptures. Work out what he's got for you and act on it. Do it. Do it without questioning. Do it without hesitation. Do it because you know that what he's got for you is the best. Might not always be the easiest, but what he's got for you is the best. What he's got for you is life and life in its fullness. So be those who listen to him and do what he says. In the passage, we have the angel of the Lord that turns up 
and the Holy Spirit. So we've got this really supernatural story going on in a very ordinary day for two people. Angels are mentioned all over the Bible and they're not like little guardian angels that we put in our pocket or we have a fluffy one on our tree with wings. They're they're spiritual beings that live in the presence of an almighty God. When they turn up, they often say, fear not, because something about them is terrifying because they bring with them the very presence of God. When an angel turns up, we want to be listening. And we don't want to be listening thinking, oh, he's probably got a nice message for me. We want to be listening knowing that these beings exist in the very presence of God and often have messages or people that they want us to interact with. Angels are very real and very present. And if one shows up in your life, can I suggest that you open your ears wide? The Holy Spirit in this story, I don't want there to be any confusion. He's not an angel. He's part of Team Trinity. He's part of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is fully God, and he is part of the Trinity. So when he turns up, we also need to be listening. He brings the very presence of God, but he also loves to bring glory to Jesus. If you're in this room and you're a Christian, it is not because one day you woke up and decided that was a good idea and you decided to follow Jesus. It's because the Holy Spirit worked in your life and caused you to come to life in an instant. It's because he caused you to be born again and be brought into God's family. It's because he opened your eyes to your sin and to your mess and showed you Jesus. It's because he illuminated the way. It's because he met you in a dream, in a conversation, in a preach, in the words of the Bible. Nobody gets saved without God being at work. Nobody gets saved without the Holy Spirit moving on their lives. And it's true that people can question and be searching, but unless God calls your name, you do not come. The Bible describes us prior to knowing God as spiritually dead. So inside we are dead. Unless he says, come alive now, we don't come. And so the Holy Spirit, whenever he turns up again, we just want to be listening. We just want to be alert and aware. He's involved in people getting saved. He's involved in worship. He's involved in empowering us to do the things that God's got for us. He is such a useful member of Team Trinity. And he is so useful to us. As believers, he's very useful to to us. He's called a friend or a helper. It's the same word that Genesis used for Eve. She was to come alongside Adam and help. She didn't do a great job of it, but she was supposed to come alongside Adam and help. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and helps. Helps us become more like Jesus, helps us to live like Jesus. And we need to learn how to be men and women that that make him at home that make him at home in our own physical homes, but also our bodies, our lives, our churches, our workplaces, that we're welcoming the Holy Spirit. So Siobhan, Ellie and Sophie, I want to say to you, learn how to be women who are full of the Holy Spirit. Learn how to be filled with him, be connected with him wherever you are. So I will, and I'm not boasting when I say this, I can be filled with the Holy Spirit in my car, when I wake up in my bedroom, in my kitchen, when I'm walking in Sutton Park, because I've learned over the years how to relate with him. I've learned in worship, 
He loves worship because he loves Jesus. And so when we sing songs about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present and active. I've learned times when I can feel him and think, oh, something's happening where my cheeks might get a bit flushed or I feel this overwhelming sense to cry or shout out or love. And I've learned to go with it. I've learned to worship like no one else is watching. I've learned that over the years. I want to encourage you to be women who learn how to do that, but for us to be like a church that knows how to do that, that knows how to connect with an almighty God and listen to him and do whatever he says. We've then got the treasurer, who's an Ethiopian and a eunuch. I want to say, men in the room, I am sorry for what I'm about to say. So eunuchs... Uh, in ancient times were male court officials and they were castrated. And they were generally, it's felt, they were castrated because they were to look after the queen or the king's women and the king's children. And the king wanted to make sure they were kept in their place and they didn't muck about at all. So um, I'm sorry, men in the room. I'm sorry if now you're stuck there for the whole of this um, But actually, I don't think that's what's important in this story. I don't think the fact that he was an Ethiopian is also, I don't think that's the key thing in this story. I think the key thing in this story is he was clearly a man who was interested in God. And whether he knew God or not, it's unclear, but he was clearly a man who was interested in God. He was coming back from worshipping in Jerusalem, so he might have been a Gentile that had converted to Judaism. It's unclear in the story, but he clearly knew something about God. He clearly had his Bible open and he was reading And he was reading the scriptures. He clearly had questions. He clearly, when Philip ran alongside, he was like, get up here. Come and tell me if you know what's going on in this story. He was clearly a man who was interested. And some of you sitting here in this room today are here because you've come to watch a baptism or you've come to church this morning. But there's something about this that makes you curious There's something where you think something's going on here and I'm not sure what. And I don't know whether to be sceptical about it and kind of judge it a bit. So when my mum and stepdad became Christians, I honestly thought they joined a cult. So I remember like going along to church because I wanted to make sure they weren't going to some wacky, weird thing where someone was going to take all their money and lock them away and do weird things. So I started coming to church because I thought they've joined a cult. Is, is this me? Am I doing this? Thank you. And so I went along, not necessarily curious about Jesus, but curious about church, wanting to make sure that it was the real deal, wanting to make sure that it was something legitimate. My mum and stepdad would come home from things smiling. The marriage looked a little different. They looked a little different. And I wanted to make sure that it was something authentic and something real. So I started going along curious. I started listening to sermons, reading my Bible. Have I left it on? Sorry. Is it still me? I don't think it is me. Sorry. Sorry. 
And what I want to say to you is, if you are curious, church and the Bible are the best places where you can start asking questions, where you can start finding out answers, where you can start investigating. Coming along to this local church, we have people who come week in, week out, who don't know Jesus and would not call him their own personal saviour, and that's absolutely fine. We're willing to be questioned. We're willing to sit down with the Bible and be questioned. The reason we're willing to be questioned is because we have nothing to hide and the Bible will stand up. It will stand up all by itself. It is an incredible book about an incredible God. And so if you are curious, if you find yourself in the mix, please be very welcome. Take a seat at our table, help yourself to whatever you like, and we will be as helpful as we can in answering some of your questions. You need not worry that you would offend us. We have not only asked all the questions you're going to ask, we have probably heard a million people ask them. If you are curious, the best places you can find out about God are in his word, amongst his people, in his church. And you can ask whatever you like around here. I would say find some Phillips though. Find some people who can answer your questions. So if you have questions, find some people that you know, know Jesus, read their Bible and know a little bit more than you know. Find them and then ask them. Invite them to come and sit next to you in your carriage and answer your questions. It's said that Philip told the Ethiopian man the good news about Jesus. And I love this. It says, starting with that scripture in Isaiah that talks about Jesus being the one who suffered and died, he then walked him through the scriptures telling him the good news. So I want to do that for you very quickly now, just to show you, in case you're sitting there as a Christian thinking, I have no clue how to do that. So if you you met someone out on the streets and they said, tell me how to get saved. You'd have no clue. Or you're sitting there and you're not a believer and you thought, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know where to turn or, or who to ask or where to go. So I want to leave both sides of that story with no excuses. If that's all right. So I'm going to tell you a few things in the scriptures. So you can look these up if you'd like to. Um, and I'm going to give you the references for them. So Ephesians 1 verse 4 says this, even before God made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. The first thing you need to know about the gospel is God loves you. And so he isn't a headmaster or a judge sitting on high, judging you, pronouncing judgment over you. He's a dad who loves a people. That's the first thing you must know about God. The second thing is, you find it in John 10. It says the thief or the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill or destroy. My purpose, that's Jesus talking, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What God has in mind for you is a rich and satisfying life or life in its fullness. That doesn't mean you drive the fanciest cars, live in the fanciest houses and your life will never know sorrow, never know pain. It means it will be rich and it will be rich in the right ways. It will be rich in the ways that God says is rich. So God loves you and God has a plan for you. 
The second thing, if you turn to Romans 3, 23, it says this, for everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. You see, God is perfect in every way. And we are not. If you spent 10 minutes with me, you'd work that out. If you came to my home on a Monday morning when I'm getting my children ready for school, you would possibly think that not only am I not perfect, but maybe that I've been dragged out from somewhere. You know, that kind of moment where you've got it all together as a mum and then something goes wrong and, and, you know, someone's been asked to get dressed, but instead they're naked running around upstairs and you're trying to get out the door and then you knock over the cereal and then, and, and I find myself just going, you would see a version of me that is not as put together as this. If you came and lived in my house for a week, you would most definitely understand that I am not perfect. If I came to live with you for a week, I would find out the same too. You see, we're not perfect. We don't even hit our own standards, let alone a perfect God. And you might think, well, that's no big issue really. But if God is holy... And if God is perfect, to be in the presence of a holy God, we would surely die if we were not perfect too. To be in the presence of an almighty God. And when you think this God loves us and wants relationship with us, we need to somehow get into his presence. The Bible then says this, Romans 3, 22, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And then Romans 3, 25 says this, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. What God's saying is, I recognize there's an issue here. I recognize you and I cannot be in the same place because I'm holy, you are not, and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to sort that out, and I'm going to sort it out by sending the person who is holy, who is blameless, who is perfect, to deal with all your wrong, to die in your place for all your sin, so that when you put your faith in him, when you come into my presence, you come with him. So wherever I go, because I know Jesus and love Jesus, I go with him. So I go with him in me, alive and active, and I go with him around me. So if I stand in the very presence of God, I'm just fine. I'm not going to burn up. I'm not going to die. I'm just fine because I'm with him, because I'm hidden in him, because I've got him. Nothing gets in the way of that. It's why I love Jesus with my whole heart, because he makes me right with my God. He makes it possible for me to stand in the very presence of God and be who I'm supposed to be. It's why I will always love him no matter what. Because if he never did anything else for me in my life until the day I die, that would be enough for me. It would be enough for me that I'm right with him. It would be enough for me that when I die and meet him face to face, he will know me and I will know him. It would be enough for me. The gospel is amazingly good news to those of us who belong to God. For those of us who have been called by his name, it is amazingly good news. And lastly, there's a question. When we're looking at the gospel, we say, well, will you follow him? Will you make a decision? 
And it is something that God is involved in and God stirs up in our hearts. But we do have to make that choice. Matthew 9 verse 9 says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Levi sitting at a tax collector's booth. He said, follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus Um, So Matthew got up and he followed him. To be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to get up and you've got to follow him. And you've got to do that every day, no matter what. You've got to get up and follow him. You've got to get open your Bible and do what he says. It isn't a passive relationship. It's an active one where we are actively involved in what it means for us to work out our salvation So I'm telling you in this room today that God loves you and has a plan for you, but that he is a holy God and you get stuff wrong that gets in the way of you being face to face with him and right with him. But that Jesus died in your place for all your wrong so that you can be right with that God, so that you can stand face to face, so that you can be who God has made you to be. And what you have to do is make a choice and you make a one-off choice to follow him, but then you spend your life doing that. You make a daily choice to follow him, sometimes an hourly choice to follow him. You choose to follow Jesus. You choose to be like Levi and get up and walk after him. So that's the gospel. I carry it around with me. Um, I don't know if you wear jeans, but these little tiny pockets here, I believe these are so that the people of God can carry around little notes. So I carry around little notes all the time. I've done it since I, I got saved. And I carry around little bits of scripture, little things just to kind of stir me. And I carry around this little bit of paper. Uh, Lots, I've got them in lots of different pockets in my jeans, and I've got it written out loads of times. But if someone said to me, what must I do to be saved? If I stumbled, if I like froze, I would be able to pull this out. So it says, God loves you, and he has a plan for you. And I've got the scripture references. You get stuff wrong, and it gets in the way of you and God. But Jesus died in your place for all your wrong. So you can now be right with your God. So will you follow him? Will you love him? Will you be his disciple? Uh, I don't know what my other ones say. I'll tell you what my other ones say this week. I put different things in. This week it says, I choose worship. So I choose worship no matter what. And then this one says, oh, this uh, is the line from a song that we sang last week. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. And I carry things around because I want to be ready like Philip so that when God says go, I'm ready. I carry it around to remind myself. It's um, my, maybe my equivalent of a tattoo or something because I'm a wuss and I wouldn't have that on my skin because I don't like pain. Um, and it's, it's something that I carry around and I'm ready for. What I want to say to you this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready to answer people's questions? Are you ready yourself to answer the question of, do you love God? Will you follow him? Will you be baptized? Some of you are sitting there and you know you need to be baptized. And you may be afraid of getting up here. You maybe don't like getting wet. To be honest, it doesn't matter what it is. There will always be excuses, always be reasons not to go after the things of God. What I'm suggesting is you do it anyway. You look at the excuses, you look at the reasons, you stare them in the face and you say, I'm going to do it anyway. I want to encourage us to be like Philip, to be ready, to be running after the things of God. I want to encourage you that if you do not know 
Jesus. Be like the Ethiopian man. Invite some people into your carriage to answer some of your questions. Try reading the Bible, getting yourself along to church. doesn't really matter. Put yourself in environments where, where Christians are or where the presence of God is and see if you can find some of your answers. So I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to worship a little bit and then we're going to pray for Siobhan, Sophie and Ellie. I want to pray for us real quickly. I believe in this room there will be loads of Philips or Philippers who just need to be those that run after the things of God. Quit making excuses and say, I'm in. I'm I'm running. I'm doing what you ask of me. I'm all in. And maybe there are some Ethiopian men and women who've got questions, who want to know more about Jesus. And you need to get yourself to church, get yourself in the Bible, come and work out what it might mean for you to follow him and love him. I want to tell you that God loves you with all that he is and that he wants for himself a people that are in right relationship with him. He is less bothered about your house, your job, your car, your whatever. He is concerned about you and the state of your heart and your life. He's a dad who doesn't watch you from on high, judging you. He is actively involved in your life and would like to be more so. So I want to thank you, Jesus, that you love us in such an outstanding way. That you love us in a way that caused you to die in our place for all our wrong, to defeat death to empty the tomb of all its power. I want to thank you, Father, that you watch over us, look on us, that you're willing us to come into your presence to be right with you. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us to be active and involved in the kingdom, that you have so much more for us as a people, that you have so much more for Siobhan, for Ellie, for Sophie that you have so much more for us. And I want to pray that we be those that listen and we be those that run into your presence and into your purposes, that we be those with our very own eyes that get to handle and see the kingdom of God come. Jesus, we love you, honour and worship you always. I will spend my life doing that because you gave your life for me. I willingly give mine right back. I choose to worship you because you're worthy. Worthy of it all, Jesus.